Hey everybody, it's Allie and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, June 25th, 2017. Nikki is under an enormous amount of pressure, but so much of what she's going through is self inflicted, don't you think? She is stressed about the piano piece that she's trying to perform and the pressure, naturally, of performing at a concert, which is something that she's never done before. She's taking a major leap going from playing in the living room to playing live at this benefit. She is also feeling the pressure from Victor, but she's feeling the pressure of the future of her relationship with Victor. And I think that Nikki is stressed out even thinking about her own identity within that. Who is she if not Mrs. Victor Newman? She knows how to be Mrs. Victor Newman. It's it's the only thing she's known for so many years. And now I think that she has an added pressure of trying to identify who she is outside of that relationship. So it's kind of a walls closing in on her type of scenario. Everywhere she looks, there's a source of stress and there is a mental anguish that's, that's she can't seem to escape from that's all around her. And I think that that mental anguish has given way to the physical anguish. The symptoms of her MS are starting to overcome her, but that's also not the only disease that Nikki is struggling with. Um, as we all know, she is an alcoholic, and much like the MS, that is a disease that does not go away. It's something that is triggered by stress. So because she's in this pressure cooker, I think that she is tr- you know, unintentionally, of course, having some of her MS symptoms triggered, and she's having some of her alcoholism, you know, triggered. Um, she, she, we had a scene this week of Nikki looking longingly at those bottles of booze on the bar at home, which really shouldn't even be there, let's be honest. It would be difficult to be an alcoholic living in a home where the bar is just right there, but it is because Victor likes to drink, and she's looking over at the bar thinking that she would love nothing more than just to escape into the liquor right now. I was really impressed that as Nikki is having that moment of self-doubt and, and, and almost giving in to an addiction, that Sharon stopped by. I really thought that that scene between Sharon and Nikki was a standout scene of the week. Sharon was putting her crisis hotline skills into action, and she was being so kind and so understanding, even though Nikki's nerves were really raw in that moment. I think Sharon saw someone 
in need, wanted to help her. And in a way, maybe Sharon was wishing that somebody would have helped her when, like this when she was going through her darkest of times. I liked that Sharon identified right away that there was something more going on with Nikki and that at the very least she could lend an ear. I, I also appreciated Nikki being willing to talk to Sharon because there's no reason why Nikki should give Sharon an inch. The woman burnt down her house. I mean, it's been a, a rivalrous relationship for years and years. But Nikki did give a little bit and she did open up a little bit. I would just love nothing more than to see, for one, more scenes between Nikki and Sharon. But for these two women to dip come to a friendship that I, like sort of like Stephanie and Brooke did on the bold and the beautiful eventually uh, toward the end. I, I mean, I just think there are far too few friendships on the show. And honestly, I would have liked for Sharon to have been the one to discover Nikki over Tessa. So Sharon leaves the ranch after they have this moment, kind of a heart to heart, I would say. Uh, and Nikki has an MS episode and she is just starting to cramp up. She is in just an incredible, intense amount of pain. It's so much that it's debilitating. She can't seem to move her muscles. She can barely talk to call out for help. And she ends up collapsing on the floor, just weeping in pain, saying, help me, help me. I'm thinking, isn't there any staff at this ranch? Isn't there anyone here who can hear her cry? Where is Cook? <laughs> Where's Bonnie? Isn't there somebody here who can help her? Um, she looked so helpless but yet so beautiful lying there on the floor crying weeping in pain I felt for her so so much I like I said I wish Sharon would have been the one to find her but it was Tessa who came in found Nikki lying on the floor um Nikki will not let Tessa call 911. Uh, she instead calls a family doctor. The doctor is able to come in and give her a steroid shot and do a, just a private house call. Um, but Tessa also makes the mistake of suggesting to Nikki that maybe we should call your husband. Maybe we should call Victor. And that's when the conversation starts to turn. And that's when we see the real reason why Nikki doesn't want any anyone to know about this. It's because she doesn't want Victor specifically to know about this. She says Victor must not know. And then she turns on Tessa a little bit. I mean, Nikki was really insistent in almost an aggressive way with Tessa. Um, you know, I'm in, unfortunately, I'm finding myself in a position, Tessa, where I'm going to have to trust you to not go to my husband. This is something that is personal, it's private, it's about me, and I don't need you running to Victor right now. So I think that Nikki's mindset is all about overcoming things on her own. I think that Nikki wants to prove that she doesn't need anyone, least of all Victor Newman. I think that 
whereas we have seen Nikki and, and Sharon, likewise, it's it's a, a tie-in or a thing that these two women have in common. We've seen Nikki in a pattern of being rescued by Victor. And this time, Nikki does not want to be rescued by Victor. But it's kind of hard when you're living under the same roof as the man, you're on the same property every single day, and you are trying to put out a vision to the world that you are a happy, productive couple. I mean, she wants the world to believe that nothing is wrong in her relationship, while on the inside, everything is wrong in her relationship. Everything is wrong with her life. She is crumbling to the core. So, I mean, she's still, she's just pretending. That's all she's doing right now is pretending that everything is okay when it's anything but. Honestly, I really think that Victor is trying to be encouraging with the concerts. Nikki seems to be flashing back and hearing things that Victor have, has said to her, like, um, about the concert being sold out and, you know, you must perform this. And I, But I think that he is proud of her in a way. I think that he is going through with this concert because he loves her and because he wants to give her a chance to shine like the diamond that he knows she is. So I haven't been taking it as Victor pressuring her. I have been taking it as Nikki pressuring herself. I mean, look how proud Victor was of her on that poster. He was staring longingly at that poster and and just thinking about how much he loves her and how much he wants her to be in the spotlight. I think, oh, I suppose this is probably me being a forever Nikki and Victor sucker, but I think that he saw her in that moment when she was performing with Tessa at the underground. I think he saw that that made her happy. And so he's trying to do something on his larger Victor Newman-esque scale that if that little moment made her happy, then this concert will make her so happy. She's going to hear the roar of the crowd and that's going to change her attitude. That's going to change her life and give her something positive to focus on. That's why he wants Wants it to be a sold out concert for her. I don't think that it's just about Victor Newman in this scenario. In so many things it is, but right here, I think this is an example of Victor trying to genuinely do something for her. And if she could be honest with him, then I think maybe this whole episode could have been prevented. I think that if she just would have been honest with him up front, he wouldn't have continued to push it. He, he doesn't know that it is, it's causing her all this stress. And if he did, obviously he would remove the source of the stress. He wouldn't have pushed it as hard as he did. But even if she never tells him, he's going to see it sooner or later because Victor is lurking around corners. <laughs> He is already picking up on the fact that she's developing this closeness with his enemy, Jack Abbott. I mean, and if he, if he, I don't know why he can notice that and then not, and then not notice that she is shaking and cramping up uh, uh, so often now. It's happening every single day and she's doing, I guess, such a great job of hiding it from him that he hasn't noticed that, but he has noticed the, uh, the, the Jack thing. It seems like, 
Nikki is finding Jack to be one of the only people that she's okay confiding in. I'm so glad that she has him. They just have this history. They have this past relationship and they are going through something both individually right now and finding that they're able to connect it in together. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that she has someone that she can at least talk to that's on her level. And the thing is, when Victor was lurking at the outdoor cafe and he noticed that Nikki and Jack were together, I thought to myself, you know what? If Victor really loves Nikki and has really changed on any kind of level, then maybe he should just let her have this friendship with Jack. Let her have it. If it's something that's making her feel better, then let her go for it. Because if being Mrs. Victor Newman is going to put her one step closer to the grave, then maybe he needs to give her the space that she's asking for. Maybe he needs to have some intuition here that she's under this pressure and to, to back off. As they say, if you love something, then you should set it free. And if it doesn't return to you, then it's not yours. In a way, I think that that might be some advice that Jack could benefit from, too. As the week opens up, Jack is still trying to convince Dina to move into the Abbott house with him. It's like Jack is desperately trying to put to back together any of the pieces of the Abbott family that he can. I found it interesting that Jack was in trying to convince Dina, mentioning that John never even changed the place after Dina left because there was a sense that John was always hoping that Dina would come back home. Have you long-term viewers ever picked up on that? I mean, I, 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 as I've said a million times, I started watching in 93. And so just from my interpretation and um, impressions of the Abbott family and of John, I didn't really get that impression. It didn't seem to me that John was quietly pining for Dina. In fact, um, Jack even implied that John would have forgiven Dina immediately if she would have come home. I mean, I do know that John was a very forgiving man, but do you guys think that, first of all, John was waiting for Dina all of these years? And second, do you think that John would have forgiven Dina and welcomed her back home? It is, even though John was pretty saintly, I think it would be difficult to forgive and welcome back with open arms the woman who left you and abandoned your family. I would think it would be difficult to not develop some resentment for her, but John was a special kind of guy. So I don't know, maybe I'd love to hear some opinions on that this week. The problem is, I think John couldn't make her stay. And I don't 
think that Jack is going to be able to make her stay either. It's almost like Jack is finding him back in the position that his father would have been in all of those years ago. So if, if John couldn't convince her, um, maybe Jack wouldn't be able to either. The, the, the one thing <laughs> uh, that Jack can see right now is that Graham is the obstacle to making Dina stick around. Uh, Jack sees Graham as the main obstacle to getting what he wants. When it's so clear to me, after all of these weeks of watching the the Graham and Dina relationship, that whatever it is that is going on with their relationship, which I still don't know, and it still drives me crazy, Dina's in control of it. Whatever it is, I, she's the one making the final decisions. He's there reminding her and coaching her, but she doesn't seem unable of ma- to make these decisions somehow, at least through the course of the past week. I just, once again, I don't see Graham as a gold digger, a deceiver. Uh, I don't think he's planning to harm her in any way. We had that moment with him outside of her hotel room uh, where I think was meant to make us question him. He was making a phone call about Dina's will, but later it turned out that they were always planning to to revise her will. Um, in fact, she even invited Ashley over to her hotel suite at the time where the documents were being signed. It wasn't some big secret. Um, I thought that was an interesting conversation right on Friday's show with Ashley and Dina. She really has changed her view of Dina. And Ashley just has a totally different approach to this whole thing than Jack does. Jack <laughs> wants Graham out of the way by any means to get exactly what it is that he wants. In fact, he even suggested that Ashley use her feminine wiles to get to know Graham and to get him out of the way. And then he has the nerve to turn around and ask Gloria to do the same thing. Yuck! (laughs) Yuck! Uh, I mean, Ashley is becoming, as we talked about last week, the more level-headed Abbott child here. She's decided to take the more direct route. She's not trying to seduce Graham or trick him. I think she is legitimately trying to get to know him so that she can understand what that relationship is. She just sits down and has a conversation with him and is able to accomplish more than Jack ever has. She asks Graham about his past. He doesn't reveal anything bombshell. He basically grew up in the Midwest. Uh, his He has parents who were very much in love. Um, maybe they were torn apart from, I mean, who knows? They they apparently were torn apart somehow. I don't don't know how. I, I, I have theorized myself to death on this one, but it's the, the one thing he did reveal is that he sees Dina as a mentor. He really does seem to respect her and to care for her. He cares for her, maybe like a mother. He disavows that there's anything sexual or romantic going on with 
them. He does talk a little bit about his past, saying that in addition to having business experience, he also was an actor at some point. I don't know if that's going to come into play. I'm almost tired of predicting this whole thing week after week because I'm always wrong. <laughs> Do you guys get sick of me trying to predict? I I, I um have I watch TV with my parents and it drives my mom crazy that you know we'll be watching Survivor or Big Brother and I'm constantly watching the edit to try to find out who's going home at the end of the episode and it drives me like it drives her crazy she's constantly saying Allie I mean does life hold any surprises for you, Do you and that's not it because I love surprises but just for some reason I think that YNR has trained me to want to know what the end is even though I don't really want to know what the end is I want to guess <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Is The actor thing is weird. Could Dina be paying him to make her kids jealous? I don't know. I feel like the relationship is really genuine. I, I wonder if she loves Graham and yet knows that she's evolving past the point of this boy toy style relationship. Maybe Dina loves Graham uh, in possibly even maybe a romantic way, pining for him a little bit because he is uh, attractive and smart and he has all of these great qualities, but maybe she knows that he's not into that, like that that's not the the nature of their relationship. Maybe Dina will at one point see that she loves her daughter so much and she loves Graham so much that she would want them to be together. Is that possible? That Dina is wanting to serve Graham on a plate <laughs> to Ashley? I don't know because because there was also a moment during the meeting that Ashley and Graham had where Dina walks in and sees that they're connecting and she was a little bit jealous over it. I keep thinking back to right when Graham was first introduced, there was a moment at the athletic club where he was being he was talking with Gloria actually and Dina says uh oh you know women always notice Graham first so she she knows that he's a he's a fresh piece of meat out there on the Genoa City market <laughs> I mean he was looking pretty beefy in that workout tank am I right <laughs> that was such a shocking moment <laughs> Graham working out showing us the big guns <laughs> oh I don't know I don't know Ashley, in that conversation on Friday, did ask Dina, what happens if Graham ends up meeting some woman and decides to leave you? And Dina was very quick to respond, he's not going to leave me. We have a deal. So I don't know. I don't know what this deal is. The next thing you, we know, though, Graham is downstairs bumping into Gloria at, in the steam room. Now, here's where things are getting extra interesting for me. Gloria <laughs> is in a position right now to really, really stick it to Jack. Uh it's been weeks of Gloria trying to reignite this flame that she had with Jack. And 
I, in my opinion, Jack has been leading her on a little bit like, yeah, maybe I, maybe I'll come up to your hotel room. And then he doesn't do it because he gets distracted by whatever's going on with his mom. I think Jack has been leading Gloria on a little bit over the past couple of weeks and then telling her he's done. This week, he talked to her a little bit and said, nah, Gloria, it's kind of over. I'm kind of over it. He made it clear that there's going to be no more uh, romantic meetings. Uh, or at least sexual meetings at night. And Gloria seemed so disappointed by that. I felt so bad for her. Um, I don't know, is it me or... Did anyone else get the impression that maybe Gloria had started to fall in love with Jack a little bit? She just seemed sad and let down. She was trying to pump herself up, but I think that the affair with Jack made her feel vibrant and full of life again, and knowing that it was over was sad to her because she cares for Jack. This is not, it's not just a fling. She's known this man for many years. She's, she has a history with him. She uh, loved his father very much. <laughs> uh, and so I think it, it, it hurts her also that it is an end of a period for her and in her life. So I, I, I felt bad for her very much. But the thing is, if she were to strike up a relationship with Graham now, there is no better way, none, to make Jack jealous. Jack hates this guy. Graham's never done anything to Jack, but now suddenly he has all of the love and all of the attention from all of the women in Jack's life. Oh, Kane. Kane, Kane, Kane. What a tangled web we weave. It's Discovery Week in Juliet's sexual harassment hearing. Both sides are meeting to show their evidence. <laughs> Lily and Kane meet with the kids beforehand to give them the heads up on what's going on. Kane looked physically ill during that scene, and so did Lily, and so did the kids. Can you imagine having to sit down with your parents while your mom and dad are telling you that your dad is being accused of sexual harassment? I can't imagine how icky that would feel. Maddie really didn't even want to hear it. It was just like, I gotta get out of here. She left the room. Charlie had this air of disappointment that it was going on, but also, of course, hope that it wasn't true. And the entire family wants to support Kane. It just, I think, feels like this black cloud that's hanging over their entire house now. I can't believe that Lily even wanted to go to the hearing. I wonder if maybe she was just wanting to look Juliet in the eyes and try to discern if there was any truth to what she was saying. Because Remember, Juliet was someone Lily was starting to really 
appreciate. They were becoming friends. Lily was seeing her as a girlfriend, not someone who would make up something so outlandish. Lily never got liar vibe from Juliet before, so I think she's trying to look at Juliet and try to understand, is she really the type of person that would would do this? So while Lily's instincts, of course, are lying with her husband, the seeds of doubt are already there. Whether or not they flourish, I don't know. But I think that she has questions that she wanted to get answered. So maybe that's why she went to the hearing so that she could have all of the information to make decisions about the future of her life. I mean, everybody wanted to support Kane. Everybody wanted to believe Kane. Everybody wanted to be there for him. Victoria has gone out of her way to put her reputation on the line vouching for Kane. Um, she standing by her executive. She gives her testimony. She wants to clear his name. She wants to clear her business's name. She lashes out at Juliet directly in front of everyone. It was great. <laughs> I really liked watching Victoria be completely composed <laughs> during the questioning and then right at the very end she started to unravel a little bit and she just looked Juliet dead in the face and said I was on your side I went out of my way for you did you know that there was no position at Brash and Sassy before you I had to pull money from other places to create this position for you and this is how you show your appreciation it was great. It was just great. <laughs> Especially she goes, she goes, just stop lying now while you can still stand yourself. It was a great, great moment that I think really sunk in for Juliet. I think she was a scared little girl in that moment. She was just sitting there with this lump in her throat because she knows she's lying at least in part. I mean, we don't know at this point if Kane and Juliet actually had sex. We didn't see what happened in the hotel room. Nobody did. But she knows darn well that Kane did not tie sex to any type of job offer. So she, I think Juliet was afraid in that moment, watching Victoria rain down her ice um, and upon her. Uh, it was it was really good. Um, until... <laughs> The courtroom took a, a change in Juliet's favor. It was Leslie's turn to question Kane. So she sits down with him and she gives him one more chance to tell the truth. <laughs> Under oath, did you have sex with Juliet? Did anything happen between you two in Tokyo? And of course he just says no. And now Leslie knows this entire time that she's going to let Kane spin his little web of lie and then she's going to watch him hang himself with it. She busted out <laughs> an edited version of hotel footage from Tokyo and my jaw just dropped. I forgot <laughs> that sometimes there is surveillance in the Genoa City world or, or in the in the in the restless world, I should say, because it was in Tokyo. But there was hotel footage showing that Kane uh, was very drunk, that Juliet 
helped him in the elevator going up to his hotel room. The footage showed both Kane and Juliet entering his hotel room and then time stamped into the next morning, Juliet leaving alone. It was so scandalous. <laughs> it was, uh, I mean, it was exactly what Kane did not need. It's funny, Daisy on had messaged me on Facebook last night, or er, last week, sorry, and uh, theorized that maybe Juliet had videotaped their sexual encounter. This was so, so close, right? I mean, it was the closest thing to that prediction being true. Uh, I mean, for crying out loud, the, the tape is playing in front of everyone. You could see Lily's eye twitching over in the corner as she's watching this and trying to process it. It was just honestly so bad for Kane. It was so bad. I guess looking at it from a courtroom perspective, it doesn't prove that sex happened, but it does prove, A, that Kane was way too drunk. That he was so drunk he couldn't even walk. So, I don't know how he was going to make any kind of promises or anything to Juliet, but it does prove that he was drunk. And then B, it proves that Juliet was in his room all night and that Cain lied about it. He had an opportunity to to tell the truth and he didn't. Although, I don't know. Could he have claimed that he didn't know she, know she stayed the night in his room? Could he have just continued to plead ignorance? I'm not sure, but it looks so bad. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that it proves sexual harassment. In fact, I don't think it does prove sexual harassment, but it certainly does destroy Cain's credibility, I would think, um, and I would, it would, of course, give Juliet's side much more leverage when it comes to settling, but Victoria's not going to do that. Victoria's going to take this all the way. Lord knows what else is going to come out. Um, I think it's, it's, it's going to be bad. It's going to be bad for the case. It's going to be bad for Victoria. It's going to be bad for Lily. Do you guys think that she should forgive him? Is their relationship going to last? I mean, I think that, I think we need a poll about that this week. Do you, do you think that Lily should forgive Kane? She has now sat in this courtroom and felt humiliated, I think, that her husband lied about something so huge and that he lied about it to her, too. I think that she probably felt betrayed and embarrassed and all of that. If, if you were Lily, would you be forgiving him right now? Would you be listening to any other words that are coming out his mouth? YRChat.com. Let's get some opinions on what Lily should do. Should she forgive Kane or... Is it time to move on? Should she be done with his lies? Because we all know this is certainly not the first of them. You know, I do think that Cain is sorry. And I do buy that he felt embarrassed about what happened in Tokyo. Um, nothing that happened happened intentionally on Cain's part. I feel like 
Kane was just being a big dumb bro. He made this stupid, rookie, unprofessional mistake. He tried to cover it up, and now he's paying the consequences for that. It's been fun seeing him under fire. I will give you that. Uh, I like that that he is getting taken to task on this. The only thing that, that I could possibly complain about, though, is that if we were going to see Kane go down, I really wish it would have been over something he intentionally did, uh, like sabotaging Billy with the hockey league. Is that ever going to come to light? I would so much rather see him get nailed for that. All it would take would be the editor that he bribed to come back in. I mean, let's get him under oath. (laughs) If it came to light that Kane sabotaged Billy, that would sure make Lily's decision on whether to forgive him a whole lot easier, especially since she's got Jordan waiting in the wings. Last week, Jordan told Hillary that he didn't approve of her being involved in Juliet's case, and it, it sounded like he was ending the relationship then. But this week, Hillary gave a heartfelt plea to Jordan, saying that she's sorry, and she won't do it again, and she's had a change of heart, and she wants to work it out. It's funny to me because it seems like Jordan is in the position that Devon was in months ago, and Devon tried to warn him specifically about this, but Jordan didn't listen. Now it seems that Jordan has come to. He wants to be done with Hillary, it seems. Uh, He says to her, you know, you're a great actress, but I just don't believe you anymore. That was a great line. I loved that that line. It just was like, whoa, Jordan, all right. I mean, whoo, <laughs> it, was, it was good. And then as soon as he walks out on her, she texts Devon, which is what she really wanted to do in the first place. She, she, what she really wants is Devon. She was settling, it seems, maybe, for Jordan as a, maybe he was a pastime, maybe he was a plaything to her, maybe just something that made her feel good. But it's clear that what Hillary wants is her old life back. She wants her husband back. I think that Hillary misses her friend. I think she misses her confidant. She misses having Devon, who was someone who tried to accept her and to understand her and to keep her balanced. But even though Devon did come and did have this conversation with her and they embraced at the very end of the week, I wonder, I, I just, it seems that Devon has moved on. Or has he? Jordan and Chelsea's friendship. Again, it there's just not enough friends on the show. And I love that she was able to zero in on his feelings about Lily real quick. Jordan comes over to Chelsea's apartment to try to get a beat on Hillary, get, get Chelsea's opinion on Hillary. And he wants to talk about Hillary, but he ends up talking more about Lily the entire time. <laughs> it's um, 
clear that at the very least Jordan respects Lily and he cares about her and he doesn't think that Lily should be disrespected by a man in any way and he thinks that Kane has done that. This whole mess with Kane he sees as more trouble than Lily deserves and what was it he said? Something to the effect of um, you know, to, to Lily, if you were my wife I wouldn't have been caught slipping. I mean I wouldn't be slipping. There would be no question about my loyalty. I would never have put myself in that position in the first place. Ah, but Jordan does have his questionable past. Chelsea reveals to Nick this week not only that she knew Jordan in her former bad girl life, but that Jordan used to be a nudie photographer. <laughs> oh no, he never took nudie pictures of Chelsea. No, 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 no. Don't get it wrong. <laughs> It kind of does make the nudie pictures that he took of Hillary make more sense. I wonder if anything is going to come of those pictures or if that was just a passing thing. I wish they would maybe do a little something with that. It could be fun. Um, I don't know. I, I was glad that Chelsea was honest with Nick about knowing Jordan. She just decided, I don't need to lie about this. There's no good reason. So I was kind of getting back into Chelsea and Nick this week. Nick's trying to step up his dating game. <laughs> Especially after Phyllis reminded him that he's not always been the greatest guy to be in a relationship with. So he's trying to be sweet with Chelsea. And I also liked that Chelsea was challenging Nick a little bit about his career. She said something to him that something to the effect of that he's not really following his passion right now. I don't really know what Nick's passion is other than sex. <laughs> Nick is passionate about passion. Uh, but I don't I don't know that he really has any career goals and I'm not sure that just being the family man is exactly what he needs his the passion that seems to to be purveying right now is is passion in the form of hatred for his father he had another run-in with Victor this week it's interesting that Nick has really taken the place of Adam in the form of rebel son he is the dis center. He is the one that doesn't want to be involved in the family business, doesn't want to forgive Victor. He's taking the hardest line when it comes to Victor. We saw a little preview of Monday's show that indicated maybe uh, Nick is going to tell Chelsea. So maybe this is about, sorry, Victor's involvement uh, with uh, Chloe and Adam's death and all that jazz. We um, have been seeing Chelsea deciding to be honest with Nick, so maybe he's going to return that favor and see where the cards fall. It's certainly very possible. Um, I, I just, I, I do get the impression that we're getting ready to see something new from Nick. I don't know what it's going to be exactly. Maybe he's just going to air the dirty laundry that he's got with Chelsea, let everything fall where it may. And then I wonder if it's going to push him back in Sharon's direction. I, I, I can't help noticing that Nick seems a little perturbed by Scott. <laughs> he just, it's, it gets under 
skin a little bit, I think, that Scott seems to be the new chosen one in Victor's eyes. And I got the vibe that maybe Nick is a little bit jealous. Scott certainly is sliding into Nick's old life, taking a prominent place uh, in his family company and sleeping with his ex-wife. Scott and Abby had their concert ticket, concert ticket selling competition this past week. Are we ever going to see this concert, by the way? Scott and Abby's co competition has made the concert become sold out. I wonder if Nikki is going to end up going through with it and conquering it. Are we going to see her um, rise to the top and overcome? Or is the concert going to get canceled? I'm not sure. I'd love to see Nikki go through with the concert. And I'd like to actually see the concert. Maybe they can recycle the, the opera set <laughs> that we got a few months ago. Um, so Victor almost seems to be pushing Abby and Scott together. Do you think it's intentional? Do you think he has romance in mind for them? Or is it just about business? It feels like Victor is elevating Scott, at least maybe to create some competition for the crown. I'm not sure. Maybe to make Abby earn it? I, I, I just don't know. But um, I think that Sharon was very correct to pick up on the tension <laughs> that was going on between Scott and Abby and the fact that when fires burn that bright, <laughs> it can sometimes turn into passion. But you know what? I'm very proud of Sharon for not seeming too overly jealous over their friendly competition. I mean, she addressed it. She brought it up to Scott, which he denied, of course. But it didn't seem to bother Sharon that much. She seems so relaxed in this relationship. It's kind of nice to not see her begging or feeling desperate. She's just very laid back, and it, I find that to be appealing. Um, last week, we did a poll, um, and I asked you guys, Sharon and Scott, are you feeling the heat? 58% of you said, yes, hand me a fan. <laughs> but 42%, which is a pretty a strong minority, though, too, are not feeling it at all. So fans are split on uh, Sharon and Scott. Sharon is such a big character. She's a larger-than-life character on the show. I think that we are probably wanting, as fans, for her to find her mega match. You know, I mean, I think that Sharon and Scott do seem like a fun summer fling. I'm all here for it while the heat is going. But I almost wonder if Scott is more into Sharon than she's into him. <laughs> I just can't help I just can't help thinking that maybe she will end up pushing Abby and Scott together in the end and reuniting with Nick. I could I'm, you know me. I'm waiting for that chick reunion. So <laughs> It's probably all me and hopeful thinking. But she has been giving Nick a lot of advice lately. She's been giving him a shoulder to lean on. 
<laughs> Sharon's great right now. She's using those detective skills that she learned from Dylan, I think. She was uncomfortably grilling Zach, the tech guy at Crimson Lights, all about his app. And she just... She, she's telling, she told Scott later that she just feels like something is not right with that guy. And I agree, but I just can't put my finger on it to swipe left. Boy, I guess my last two weeks of who said it quotes have been kind of hard. I, I, I didn't realize it, but I maybe I unintentionally made them too difficult. Last week's quote was... Go get him, tiger. <laughs> it was just a funny little moment between Abby and Scott where they were talking about their competition. It was going to be Abby's project of um, her new dating app versus Scott's project hashtag. And they've decided that they're going to go head to head and see who comes out on top and who's going to be the better executive. And she said to him, you know, you go get him tiger <laughs> it was a it was a condescending moment but it was a funny moment on her part I thought you guys would catch it but only two people got it so I have to give some extra love and shout outs to Henry and to Gina you guys were the only guy, people who caught it <laughs> maybe I need to make them a little bit easier so let me give you an easier one th for this week you tell me if you think you know who said but I love donuts <laughs> I think that one's easier. Um, hopefully you guys caught it. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of people to get this one right. Who said, but I love donuts during this past week's show. If you think you know, you can go to yrchat.com to leave me your guess. And if you get it right, then you too will get your extra love and shout out on next week's YNR chat. Okay, I've got two pages of your comments this week, so let's dig in. Anna left me a voicemail saying that she felt the theme of this week was jealousy. Dina, jealous of Ashley with Graham. Jack, jealous of Graham. Nick, jealous of Scott. Phyllis, jealous of Victoria. Everybody was jealous this week, Anna says. I thought the same thing too. It just seemed like that was the thread that tied everything together through the entire week. I also, Anna, laughed. I mean, I really laughed multiple times well after I even listened to your voicemail. Um, you said that your raspberries for the week <laughs> go to Graham's workout outfit. <laughs> I really thought about posting that on the website for, website for the ribbons or raspberries, but then I, almost, I don't want to be mean toward Graham because it was he did look a little bit dorky. We're used to seeing Graham only in his business suit, and he's very tight. You know, he's 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 not real relaxed. Um, he's very proper, I guess we could say. And then all of a sudden, he walks into Dina's room with his workout tank. <laughs> it was a little jarring. So we'll just we'll do an unofficial ribbons and raspberries for the week. Do, did you like Graham's workout outfit? Do you want to give it your ribbons or raspberries? Do you guys find Graham to be attractive? I think he's an attractive guy. It was just, I think, surprising <laughs> to see him <laughs> in that outfit. Although, wasn't he wearing only a towel in the steam room she scene? I think he's good looking, for sure. Oh, 
Harper left me a voicemail this past week saying, I want to talk about Ashley's abrupt change toward Graham. Is she trying to kill him with kindness or are they about to make a storyline about him and Ashley hooking up? I really hope they don't because I'm not here for that. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Honestly, maybe she's killing him with kindness right before they hook up. I like Ashley and Ravi. I think that they're such a good couple and we're not seeing enough of them. It's all about Ashley and Graham right now. I can't imagine that that's for absolutely no reason. I would say it's a good possibility Ashley and Graham are going to hook up somewhere down the line. Lisa left me a voice message and she says Ashley made an excellent point on Friday's episode. She told Jack to stop micromanaging Dina's life. It is ultimately her choice how and who to live with. She's going to end up resenting Jack if he doesn't start accepting Graham as an important part of her life. Just leave them alone. Dina or Graham will slip up. They will eventually reveal themselves. Be patient, Jackie. (laughs) Great voicemail from Lisa. It's so nice to hear from people uh, for the very first time. I love hearing your voices. Also, um, because I'm always going to forget this, uh, I oh, I have people who um, ask about co- the leaving comments on the blog at yrchat.com um, and how the comments are moderated. So I just wanted to toss out there that I'm like constantly getting hit with spam messages. So I have to moderate the first, the very first comment that you leave on the blog will be moderated. So after I approve your first comment, I'm j- just to make sure you're not a spam bot or something, then you can comment without needing to be moderated. So I just wanted to toss that out there. Um, and it may take me I, a half a day to get to approve it, getting in there and approving comments and getting rid of the spam ones. I just don't want you guys to go to the blog and see a bunch of spam comments. I want you to, I want to make sure that everybody's comment there is legit. So uh, that's, I just wanted to toss that out there in case you were wondering why some comments are held for approval. Uh, that's all I'm looking for is just to make sure that you're not a spam bot. I don't care what you say about YNR by any means, let it rip. Um, Gary left me a voicemail this past week saying, you know, with all the comments I've made about Dina, I've never really stated the obvious that Marla Adams is so very good in this role. And she does kind of fit into the Catherine Chancellor type space. Of course, she's not going to fill Catherine Chancellor's shoes. But yeah, Gary, I think we need to take a moment to appreciate Marla Adams because I will say, even in the past, as Dina came on the show, I never liked her. I never got anything from her but cold-hearted, in-and-out kind of lady, businesswoman. I just, I never got warm and fuzzies from her. And now all of a sudden, she has a heart. She has a soul. She has feelings. She was even inviting Gloria out for tea or something this week. And oh, I so I did I did like the scene with Dina and Gloria. And we know that Jess Walton's coming back too. So there's going to be some Jill and Dina scenes around the corner. Um, I, I think that Marla Adams as Dina is fitting flawlessly into the show. It's um, funny too, because even with all of the scandal that's going on, for instance, with Kane, the most comments that I get are about Dina and Ashley and the Abbots. And so I, it's, it's working. It's obviously working. You know, I also am thinking about Gary's voicemails this week. Um, and he had 
made some comments about uh, Juliet and Kane in the sexual harassment case and reminded me of the opinion that I had when the incident in Tokyo originally took place. Gary reminded me that as I was watching the scene in the bar with Juliet and Kane, and I'm remembering it now, Juliet did not seem as drunk as Kane. Michael made it a point at the t- during the deposition to say to Juliet, well, Kane drank three bottles of sake. You drank three bottles of sake too. And as I recall, Juliet really didn't seem that drunk. She didn't seem like she was going one for one with Kane. If we go back and watch that, I'm pretty sure it was Juliet pouring like a three to one ratio of shots for Kane to her. So that's the thing. I think that Juliet is maybe presenting herself as being more drunk than she was, but just I can't get it out of the back of my mind that there was something insidious about that incident from the very beginning. Um, I don't think that Kane did any, I don't know whether or not he had sex with her, but I don't think that it was a quid pro quo situation. There's just, it's a part of me that's wondering if it's still going to be revealed that Juliet was planning or plotting something from the beginning. Um, Oh, Colleen left me a voicemail saying, lately I've been missing Sophia. She was a great character. There are lots of beautiful women on YNR, but none that look like me, and I appreciated that about Sophia. She was confident and sexy and so body positive, and I just wish that they would bring her back. You know, we were talking last week about Neil's um, parade of exes with Victoria and Leslie. And yeah, Sophia has his son. You know they're going to want to age Moses sooner or later. Why not bring Sophia back onto the scene right now? I think she would be interesting getting up in this whole cane mess. I mean, Sophia was a very smart, very competent businesswoman. I'd love to see her like up in this business storyline. I think she'd be great at brash and sass. See, she could be Victoria's right hand after they can cane. <laughs> oh, they probably do need to can cane. Um, Kristen at YRChat.com probably agrees. She says, I hope Juliet does win her lawsuit. Kane has been too boring and too goody-goody lately. He's a wet blanket if he's not doing something bad. <laughs> you know, I like the idea of bad cane. Bad cane, bad cane. He needs punishing. <laughs> I agree. He, he he is more interesting when he's being bad. I mean, when you have happy couples and happy people on the show, they just fall into this storyline graveyard where they're not doing anything interesting. I am a Kane fan, and so I am welcoming, even though I'm mad at him for doing this, I am welcoming him doing some more juicy things so that we can see him, so we can have him front and, and center and to test his character and see what happens. Oh, Lisa also in her voicemail had mentioned that she thinks Juliet's eventually going to claim that she's pregnant, whether she is or not. Well, that would certainly solve the question of did Juliet and Kane sleep together. But she could... Boy, if she was pregnant, wouldn't it be showing by now? I don't know. I didn't show. So it's impossible that um, she is pregnant right now and and we just don't know it. But and it could be anybody's. That's the thing. We need a whole DNA test. It's oh, my goodness. Kane, didn't he get duped into thinking that, that Delia was his right when he first came onto the show? That would be like a repeat of history. I keep thinking about um 
how Lily is going to react to this. I really do think that her, just based on what we saw from the, after she ran out of the deposition, mad at him at the elevator, obviously him trying to quickly explain, but then the uncomfortable ride home and then back at the Ashby home. I just think that Lily is going to try to stand by her man. I really do. I think she wants to forgive Kane. I think that she, um, knows that she messed up. I think she knows and remembers very well that she had an affair. And so she is trying to give Kane the benefit of the doubt, maybe in part because she knows that she's had an indiscretion in this relationship too. Um, YRChat.com, I want to see if you guys think she should forgive him though. I mean, I wonder if she will until whatever next comes down the pike, whether it's Juliet being pregnant or who knows, other footage coming out. I mean, if, or or the Billy thing coming out. I don't know. I just don't think what we have right here, as far as this week, is going to be enough for her to decide to leave him. Oh, let's see, where was I? Beatrice at YRChat.com says, Hillary needs a man to tame her, and I feel that the only one is Devon, although I throw up in my mouth. <laughs> Because Jordan doesn't know that he's dealing with a woman that needs to be noticed all the time. I like that characterization of Hillary, that she's a woman that needs to be noticed all of the time. I never thought about it like that. And I mean, unless we are going to see some big evolution of Hillary's character, that that does describe her pretty well. Uh, but she, I, she's noticeable. <laughs> the woman can't help it. She's noticeable. Um, Cheyenne at YRChat.com says, I have a feeling that Jordan is going to forgive Hillary, but I don't care because on Monday I saw a divine and Hillary have their little moment and I predict sooner rather than later that they're getting back together. I hope so Cheyenne. I, I, I am looking forward to Hillary and Devon actually getting back together. I think that we really are going to have to start working on this triangle and we're going to have to see some stuff from Devon. I don't think we've seen a whole lot of him lately. We've seen Hillary get all embroiled in this mess with Kane, but Devon's been a little bit off the map in his storyline happiness graveyard with Mariah. Uh, we need to see that really come to a head. It's probably all going to happen at uh, to a head at, at GC Buzz, but I am looking forward to it. I am a Hillary and Devon fan. I think they've got the spark. Uh, I think far more than, um, than Jordan and Hillary, even though they were fun. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think he's going to forgive her eventually? He seemed pretty done. Oh, on uh, about Jordan. Zooperplex left a comment at YRChat.com saying, isn't it interesting that Jordan said that if Lily were his wife, he would never cheat on her, but his profession in a previous life was a blackmailer, apparently taking embarrassing photos of his prey in states of undress. That's now I maybe I totally interpret misinterpreted what Chelsea was saying about Jordan's nudie photography. I thought that he was just like a nude photographer basically doing what he did with Hillary. Like maybe he was taking um I don't know shots for, you know, whatever, Playboy, Hustler or something. I, I mean like the, just that he was a, a a nude photographer. I didn't 
pick up that he was um, insidiously taking photos, like without people's consent. Is that what everybody else took from it? I'm sorry if I completely misread it, um, but I'd love to get um, your opinions on that this week. Um, Gosh, I don't know. Is he blackmailing people with these nudie photos? And if that's the case, is that what he is going to do with Hillary? Ooh, well, I didn't think about that, but it's certainly possible. Um, Oh, Tina Cole at YRChat.com says, Victoria is handling the whole Billy and Phyllis situation with so much more class than I thought. In Billy's eyes, Victoria is coming off as respectful of his relationship. She's not making immature comments about Phyllis to Billy. The wrong thing Phyllis could do is to start making remarks to Billy about how Victoria doesn't need your protection and side comments about his relationship with her. That would push Billy further to Victoria's side as he's ending up defending her. Well, this week we saw Phyllis's insecurity start to rear her ugly head. She went to Michael and said, you know, can you hurry up with this whole lawsuit thing? It's really making me insecure in my new relationship. I have a feeling that Victoria's using this as an excuse to become closer with Billy. Phyllis is going to, she's if anything's going to trip, trip her up, it's going to be herself. And I think Victoria knows that. Victoria is playing a smart, long game. She is just thinking, and I'm going to let that relationship burn out, be what it may, and Billy's eventually going to come back to me. I don't know if that's what's going to end up happening, and I like Billy and Phyllis, but I agree. Victoria is playing a longer game at this, and if Phyllis pushes him too hard, she is going to lose him. That's kind of what Phyllis does, though, right? Sandra at YRChat.com says, I'm against Nikki hiding her situation from Victor. He would do anything for Nikki, and I have a feeling that this may be what brings the two of them back together. I thought that, too, that maybe Victor was going to discover she's struggling with all of this and do something to to help her. I hope that's the case anyway. But uh, Justin at YRChat.com says, Nikki needs to stop this silly charade that the Newmans are a big happy family. Newsflash, Nikki, you are not happy. Nikki's tempted to drink, uh, as she was on that episode, the last episode. Um, this charade is not worth her health or her happiness. Nikki was not afraid to move on from Victor last year when the family put him in jail for replacing Jack with Marco Anicelli, so why does she not want to move on from Victor now? Nikki needs to move on and start her life anew, in my opinion, with Jack. And then Consuela at YRChat.com says, I wouldn't mind if Jack and Nikki got back together. I love the scenes with them and the friendship that they have. Well, you know me. I'm just a forever (laughs) Nikki and Victor fan. You know what I want. I want happy, healthy, stable Nikki and Victor facing challenges together. And you also know, (laughs) I've made it clear, I was kind of pushing for Jack and Gloria. I thought that maybe they would have a thing. And I thought it was starting to possibly develop into something fun and real. And for one reason or another, it's not. Actually, um, Zuperplex had left a comment at YRChat.com that was really great and pro-Gloria. Just talking about the fact that this character is changing, getting some great material, too, um, that we're really able to identify with Gloria at this point. Um, She's been someone who's just 
just been an off-the-wall, uh, ne'er-do-well in the past, and now we're really digging into the core of the character, who she is, what she wants. Uh, and Superplex, you know, was commenting, too, that it's gross that Jack would toss Gloria aside and then ask her to seduce Graham to get him out from between her, him and his mother. Uh, Superplex says, is Jack so callow, so seriously insensitive to Gloria's feelings that he has the gall to ask her to prostitute herself? Additionally, if this is the case, could there not be a better example of sexual harassment in the workplace than this? Boom! <laughs> I mean, come on! Yeah, Jack is Gloria's boss. Not only is he sleeping with her, but then he asks her to go and kind of get closey-closey with Graham. Yeah, I mean, if there is a sexual harassment suit in Genoa City, that's it. <laughs> uh, Lauren at YRChat.com says, Okay, who else noticed two close-ups of photos of Faith today? One in Sharon's house and one's at the ranch when Victor was talking to Scott. Now she's at summer camp. Was this our little fair, our farewell to little Faith? I thought the same thing, of course. Um, kids go away to summer camp or to school or something and they come back aged. And it cannot be a coincidence that Charlie and Maddie are aged too. Whether whether YNR has got that on their plans for immediately or if it's going to be something that happens months down the road, I am wondering that too. If we've seen the last of Little Faith and maybe the next thing we're going to get is Bigger Faith. Uh, Rose at YRChat.com says, I love Sharon and Scott. It's so nice to see Sharon in a happy relationship with a happy person. Dylan was always so brooding and depressed. It's great to finally shine some light into that little ranch house. Yes! <laughs> um, Tawny on YouTube says, is it me or does Scott look like he's really crushing on Sharon Case? <laughs> uh, like the, the actor almost seems like he's legitimately crushing on Sharon Case. Yeah, I know! I kind of almost feel like that, that's why I said it. I feel like Scott's maybe even more into Sharon than Sharon's into Scott. Uh, Ellen at YRChat.com says, I also like the trend of women being paired with younger men here. Ashley and Ravi and now Sharon and Scott. The two couples make a trend? I hope so. <laughs> then Marion at YRChat.com says, let's add Phyllis and Billy to that list because even if he's been aged back in the day, Billy is definitely a lot younger than Phyllis. Uh, she was getting ready for her first wedding to Danny when Jill gave birth to him. <laughs> it is. I, I, that is a good point. We've seen older men, younger women on soaps for a long, long time. So we're flipping that script. <laughs> oh, let's see here. Jamie left me a voicemail uh, last week. Actually, I had encouraged all you guys to start watching B&B, &B, uh, but Jamie wanted to encourage me to go out and find old episodes of Passions. <laughs> it was, uh, after all, a Justin Hartley soap opera. I wish that there were more episodes of like the old classic soaps and stuff on, on YouTube or wherever. It's hard to find. Some of those things are hard to find. Soaps just, they don't get canonized or there's just, I wish they would do DVDs or something, or box sets or something of YNR, or a streaming service. I would pay for that to be able to watch old episodes of old soaps. 
Um, oh, I have a, I'll end us on a bit of sad news, but then a bit of good news. Um, the sad news is Kate Linder, um, the, the actress who plays Esther, just lost her husband, Ron, this past week. So that's, I mean, I can't imagine losing your husband, and that must be just so sad and challenging for her. And she seems like a really positive person. Um, so I, I hope that she's able to find a way to get through this with her same style of positivity but I just wanted to mention that and say I'm I was thinking about her and really sad to to hear that so um let's send some positive vibes to our Kate Linder and I'll end on a positive note I got a, a couple people Marianne had um uh, mentioned on the website and uh, David had sent me a Facebook uh message somebody else oh, shoot uh sent me this link too that um there was a TV Insider article uh where uh, they were reporting that YNR had just been renewed for three more seasons. So we're good to go on YNR until 2020. <laughs> we're going to be chatting about YNR at minimum until 2020. I just wish that they had like infinity contracts. I want YNR to be extended for more than three years. I want them to do like a new 30 year YNR contract. Who's ready for some sizzling summer soup? <laughs> I am, I am. It's time for our Soap for Soap Fans giveaway. Yay! If you guys aren't familiar with my YNR themed soap bars, every time I make a new batch, I do a giveaway. And I made five summer soaps for us this week, each one representing a Genoa City character and we're gonna give one away yay so okay this summer I decided to make some of your favorites I got a lot of requests for these over the course of the past year so I remade my Nikki soap which is beautiful and rose and antique and just classy and sophisticated and like classic feminine um and it's also beautiful it's got like this diamondy mica dust on it and it's mauve and it's just very Nikki I think I nailed that one I I also made my Sharon soap, which is an oatmeal, milk, and honey. It's got real oatmeal on top. It's got cocoa powder in it. It's gorgeous soap, and it smells amazing. That's probably one of my most popular ones. Um, let's see. I made Nick, who is like juicy and tropical and fruity and just, I, I like it. It's very summery and the bar looks good. I made Neil, which was also a very popular one. He's very um, crisp and aquatic and kind of fresh and just like sexy. <laughs> Uh, the colors on that one are outstanding, too. And then the new soap that I made uh, is called Naked Heiress. <laughs> it's so, it's just bizarre because I have to make these a minimum of, minimum of six weeks in advance. The soaps take six weeks to cure. Um, and I made the Naked Heiress soap. Um, gosh, I mean, a while ago. And then on the show, Scott started bringing up the naked heiress from Abby's past. And I already had the soap made. I was like, oh, this is going to be perfect. <laughs> I mean, nobody has really mentioned naked heiress over the past couple of years. And then out of nowhere, Scott's mentioned it to Abby just after I made the soap. So that was just serendipitous. Now that soap, since it's naked, I decided to make it 
it unscented, undressed, uncolored. It is just an unscented, beautiful, white, creamy, bubbly bar of soap. Okay, so those are the five that I made, and you get to pick which one you want to enter the drawing for. So here's what you can do. Here's how you can enter. Um, go to GenoaCitySoap.com. When you go to the, the website, there is a big banner that's going to show you photos of all five of the soaps. Click on the banner. That'll take you to a blog post where all you have to do is tell me which one you want to win. So pick of the five. Like, I would look at not just the photo. I had the set descriptions that are down. You'll see it on the blog. So each soap has its fragrance there. And I think you should look at, like, I think you should look at the fragrance. Think about which one you would want to smell and pick from there. Don't just base it on which character you like. Or you can. You totally can. But I would pick which one I would want to smell in the shower. Uh, so go to that blog post. Tell me which one you like best. Just pick one. And then next week, I will come back and I will do a drawing. I will put everybody's name uh, on my little soap bubbles. I will draw one out and if you win the drawing then you're going to win the soap that you picked uh, that you left me in the comments. So it's pretty pretty easy, pretty self-explanatory. GenoaCitySoap.com. Go. You'll see it right there on the main page. Uh, leave me your comment before Friday night. I need time to make your soap bubbles and to, to get everything prepped in addition to my weekly INR. So get it in by Friday. So today is June 25th. You just need to get in your entry by June 30th. And then next Sunday, July 2nd, I will come back. We'll do the live drawing. And if you win the drawing, you will win the soap. Okay, everybody, I hope that you enjoyed our chat, and I really hope that everybody enters the drawing. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to send out some soap. <laughs> and you can sign up for the newsletter, too, while you're there, because I also do secret soap giveaways. So if you're not a newsletter subscriber, you're missing out on doubling your chances and getting some extra stuff. So I do extra goodies for, for y'all. Um, and let's see, there's, of course, always yrchat.com for you to leave your comments about our show. You can, from there, find the Facebook and the YouTube and the podcast and all of that good stuff. Uh, the voicemail is 309-588-4569. Uh, whatever works for you works for me. I love getting your comments, and I'm going to read a bunch of them <laughs> next week when we come back to chat about the show, so get them in. <laughs> okay, you guys, I love you, and I will see you next time. Have a good week. Bye.